Welcome to the table. I'm your host, Jeff Harpole. There is a scripture that has some uh, intriguing qualities to it. It's, of course, all of it does, but um, this provokes us to thought. Many times when Jesus spoke a parable, um, the parable needed an interpretation. Um, but in this particular one, it's a parable, which means basically that this is a figurative person, but Jesus is making a, um, a very literal point. It's Luke chapter 12, and I'll read starting verse 16. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. So he's a successful farmer. The rich man now had a thought. He said, what shall I do? I have no room to bestow my fruits. Verse 18, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns or too small, build bigger ones. And that's where I'll put all my goods. And I will say to my soul, now this, now we've launched into something. I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be married. So just relax, no more striving. And so he's talking the inner portion. What he's really depicting, of course, Jesus is telling the parable. Um, he's speaking to the eternal part of him. Verse 20, but God said in him, thou fool. Now, if God says to you that you're a fool, you should be trembling, quaking. Thou fool, this night thy soul shall require to thee. Then here's the question. Whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Who gets all the stuff? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. So the, the question is, what then? Now what? What are you going to do? You've done all this stuff, but now what? And so Jesus presents this question, and there is an answer, but the answer is not very well. It's not welcomed because the parable concludes with the question, after all you've done for yourself, after all the years that you've worked, who's going to get the bounty of your labor? Who's going to get all that stuff that you've gathered? all the things that you've prepared for yourself, but who is going to get it? And the modern version, of course, once again, is what then? Where will it go? What will you have to show for yourself after all you've done? And, and greater still, how is it going to affect your eternal life? So this question uh, that I pose today doesn't stop just because uh, of material things. There, it's many more, it, it covers more things than just material assets. It's about arguments and disposition and rights and attitudes. It's about getting your way and making your point. Well, what then? What, happen, what happens after you uh, put that other person in their place? What then? What, what kind of relationship are you going to have tomorrow? Um, what happens after you've proven yourself right and everyone else wrong? What then? Very sad situations happen throughout our lives. I've watched this for even since I was a child. Um, men or women, they become sideways with their preacher or their pastor or the teacher or someone, and they give them a piece of their mind or they write a nasty letter or they have an argument. And they could be right, but what then? What happens after that? 
And, and no one asks those questions because sometimes when you're in the heat of the argument, the battle, the hurt, whatever, you cannot look very far ahead. You just see what's in front of you. And what you're doing is you're making a, a you can make a lifelong decision based upon the present moment, but not ever saying, what about tomorrow? Where will this road lead me? What about next week? And the sad part is I've watched great men and women of God uh, get into a situation where sometimes they're wounded or sometimes someone says something, they've taken out a position, and then years later, they're left with nothing. And they have no ministry, they have no influence, uh, they've lost their families or their marriages have split up. Um, they won the argument that day. They, they proved themselves right. They put everyone in their place, but they never question what happens afterwards. Such is the rich man who now tears down the small barn, builds a bigger one, puts all the stuff in there, and then he says to his eternal spirit, his soul, uh, just be at ease. No need to work. No need to strive. No need to give. No need to be involved because you've got it all. And then he doesn't ask about tomorrow. And God comes to call and says, thou fool, don't you know this night your soul is required. You weren't asking the right questions. You weren't doing the right things because you were only living for the here and now. Uh, talk about a little, let's talk a little bit about morality. What then? Um, marriage is, is not always easy. Um, you know, the honeymoon is wonderful and the courtship should be the best time of your life also, uh, or dating. Um, <laughs> but marriage, uh, takes work. Marriage takes work. I'm, I'm sure everyone's saying, amen. Talk about it. Marriage takes work. And I love my wife and she loves me, but it still takes work because, um, we don't, you don't always live without, um, some kind of, uh, uh, some kind of argument. You don't live without some kind of disagreement. But when the marriage gets a little strained and I've seen this and people decide, well, you know what? We, we don't, we don't want to stay married, but you didn't ask what then and lives are torn apart before you decide that you're going to go have an affair. Go take a look at into the faces of your children look into their eyes because your offense is not just going to be uh, isolated to you and your spouse. Uh, ladies, if you're listening to this, before you decide to go have that affair with some man, let me just tell you, your children are going to be ruined and hurt for the rest of their life. Don't think that it's not going to affect them. You'll set in motion things you cannot undo. But you didn't ask what then. So there is temporary pleasure in the affair. That's why people have the affair. But after the sexual affair is over and the romance is not so romantic, well, what then? And what then is guilt, shame, destruction. It's, it's a detriment. Uh, what then is, is, um, is a divided family, fractured family, a lack of security. Uh, so I, I'm hoping that you hear this because this has to do with arguments, spirits, morality. What then? People don't ask that. Because we live for the moment, we live for the high, sometimes even the drama. Um, and we, 
people love the drama. Sometimes people take a small thing and make it a large thing. And after you've done done all of that, um, uh, you know, it you didn't count the cost. You didn't count the cost. A paper cut does not need to metastasize into a heart surgery because uh, it, it doesn't rise to that question. So what then really has to be part of our makeup? And I think the reason why I asked the question is because we need to look a little further. You can be right and, and you can have all the right. But in the end, though you're not wrong, it could cost you. Now, we've all heard this. You can be right and wrong at the same time. Um, you can be right, but then if you argue or you have a disagreement, you can be wrong. You can say the right thing at the wrong time. But I would even go a step further. You can be right, say the right things at the right time, but the damage that it's done, that's done um, is unpredictable. And in the future, you cannot go back and undo it. Let me tell you about your words. Your words are like bullets shot out of a gun. And once they're spoken, you can never retrieve them. Oh, how many times have I ever thought, man, I wish I could take that back. There are hundreds of times I wish I could have said something different. You know, I let the I let my anger or I let uh, my frustration get a hold of me and I said something to somebody and, and I was right even. I put them in their place. And I walked away, but they never recovered. And it pains me today that there are some people that that um, that have said some things to me, and I'd like to get those words out of my mind. And they might even have been right, but our relationship uh, may never be the same. And I'm grateful for counselors; uh, they're cherished and they're they're they they're there to protect. But Jesus is the counselor, and sometimes we have to just go to the counselor and talk to him. And the greatest counselor uh, is not the one um, that, uh, that you pay for. He's the one who's always ready, um, and he's the one um, that can help you. Now, now a good counselor... Um, we found this through Dr. James Hughes, profound man. Dr. James Hughes, he doesn't always tell people what to do. He doesn't say, oh, here's the way to fix it. But he does reveal, here's the end of the path that you're on. So you're explaining to him what the problem is or what you're going through. And then instead of him saying, well, here's, here's you know, one, two, three, here's a point, here's a bullet list of things to do. Instead, how many times have I seen him do this? And he, he's taught me this. What you do is you talk about where that path leads and show the end of the road. If you continue on this path, here's where it's going to lead. And it's based upon history. It's based upon knowledge. It's based upon spiritual insight. Here's where you're going to go. So um, that means that you're asking, where is this going to take me? Um, this, This applies to every part of your life. So you're a young person. Well, if you go down this road, where is that going to take you? Education, work ethic, all of that, that dating, you know, I, I don't know. This shouldn't be a mystery, but you will marry whoever you date. 
So if you're saying, well, I, I'm not, she's not marriage material or he's not marriage material, what are you talking about? You're not going to suddenly marry someone you don't know. So where, is it, where does it go from there? And eventually you're going to do the wrong thing uh, because you haven't asked where this road leads. So I, I, I want to give you this. This is a spiritual insight and it boggles my mind. And I, I really have to ask the writer of Hebrews 11. Here's Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing, this is, this is where it's at. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He knew that if he stayed there, he would have pleasure, but the season was going to end because that's what a season is. A season has a beginning and an ending. Here's what boggles my mind, verse 26. Mo- speaking of Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ or the Messiah, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the re- recompense of the reward. Is it true? I mean, it, could Moses see it? That Moses would look down through the annals of time and say, someday, he didn't know, they didn't say Jesus, it was Christ. That was, that's, that's, that's another word for the Messiah. Uh, Jesus Christ is Jesus the Messiah or Jesus the Christ. So it's, it's incredible. With Moses looking down saying, hold on a second, a Messiah is coming and I esteem the reproach of this Messiah greater riches than all the riches in Egypt. Verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. This gives us an indication. Moses was looking forward into something he he couldn't see with his natural eye. He kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith he passed through the Red Sea as by dry ground, which the Egyptians say to do, but they were drowned. So he was looking ahead and he said, I've got to ask the question, where does that lead me? Where does this pleasure lead me? Where does this, someone ought to be asking, where does that relationship going to lead you? Where does that business relationship going to lead you? Where does that courtship or dating going to lead you? Where does that conversation lead you? I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned that, that people are living so flippantly, so flagrantly, that we're never asking the question, well, what then? Well, you, you, you worked all this, all this time? For what? You built all this? Now what? what? What do you have? People have spent their life's blood in greed, and at the end, they got it all together and then passed away. Wow. God said, thou fool, this very day. And then who is going to get all the stuff? And the reason why is because he never, ever asked the question, what about tomorrow? What happens with tomorrow? Or how about the individual? They got offended. They left the church. They got angry. They never asked, what, what's going to happen to my family if I do this? What's going to happen to the church if I do this? So what's going to happen to the people that I'm witnessing if I do this? And you never ask what then. So I, I preach for total commitment. I preach for total consecration. I preach for sold out uh, people and church services that, that, that uh, entreat in, in the spirit, the holy presence of God. I, I, I seek for an apostolic Holy Ghost revival. 
But we need to start asking, what about the future? What's going to happen in the future? Uh, this is a small axiom of truth. You live uh, like the Lord is coming back today. You plan like he's coming back in 100 years. So I think there's a lesson to be learned. I, I do want to share this last verse with you. It's, in fact, twice the Bible talks about ants in the, in the Proverbs, uh, the, the little, this little insect, the ant. The Proverbs 30 and 25, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. Just deductive reasoning indicates they know a winter is coming. The word winter is not found, but the preparation of the summer indicates they understand something is going to change. So they're preparing something in the summer that will last them through the winter (laughs) because maybe instinctively, maybe they all said, hey, what then? What are we going to do? What What's going to happen if we let this summer go by and all we do is run around and we're skipping through the through the leaves and we're just having a wonderful time and, and we're just going to continue to party and we're just going to throw caution to the wind? Nope. Here's what the ants are doing. They're not strong. They're small. You could, any, any animal, it could be smashed, but I'll tell you what they do. They, it's not even a prophecy. They don't, they predict. It's a prediction based upon history. I know the winter is coming. I know something is coming. I am going to prepare. And I'm preparing my meat, or that would be word for food. I'm preparing sustenance in the summer because there's going to be another time. And I think one of the one of the fault lines of humanity, and especially of the church today, is that we are living a very hedonistic life instant gratification, looking out for ourselves right now. We're not paying attention to what's happening tomorrow or the next day. We ought to be, we ought to be cognitive. Jesus even said, be sober, be aware. The devil is as a roaring lion. He's walking around seeking who may, may devour. We ought to get our heads up and look forward a little bit. Where is that leading you? I'm going to tell you where your prayer life is going to lead you. Let me tell you where your Bible is going to re- lead you. I can tell you where a family discussion about the good things of God are going to lead you. I can also tell you if you are gossiping and you're, you're backbiting, you're bitter and you're angry, I can tell you the road. You may not see it right now, but you're planting seeds and they will have fruit to bear in the future. So whatever you do, just remember, whatever you're doing, tomorrow is the consequence of what today has been, what, what, what has been put in for today. There's a consequence coming tomorrow. There also could be a blessing coming tomorrow. Oh man, I want to talk about it at the table. I want everyone to gather around the table and say, let's prepare for tomorrow. Let's constrain the words that we could say. Let's let's stamp out the offenses. Let's get rid of petty things and let's pray that God would forgive the people that, that have offended us and let's stay strong together. I grieve over the people that have left the truth because they were offended or something happened or they got sideways or whatever. I don't know. I don't, sometimes I know, sometimes I don't know. All I know is that right now they're living a life they never thought they would ever live. They would have told you 15 years ago, You'll, I'll never do that. I'll never live like that. I'll never shun holiness. I'll never backslide. I'll never leave the church. 20 years ago, they would have said, oh, no way, not me. Now everyone else can go, not me. It's very much like Peter. I'll never deny you. 
Oh, Lord. Listen, I'll die with you. Yeah. So I think we should back up a little bit and take, take note. Tomorrow is going to come, and we need to ask some questions about our lives. What are we going to do? If I say this, if I read this, if I watch this, what then? If I listen to that, what then? If I make that call, what then? If I make that decision, what then? And then pray that God would give us insight. Amen. At this table, we seek for the wisdom of the Almighty God. And I'm so glad you came to this table. And there's so much more to come.